there are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? All right, you know how I love a good list, and especially when these lists are about records. Well, I was looking over the list of the world's oldest living people, and I stumbled into this story of Jean-Louise Calmen, and she was the oldest living person on record until she died in 1997 at 122 years and 164 <laughs> days old. That's so old. Yeah, it's crazy. And it was so much fun to read about her life. I mean, she had this really active lifestyle. She enjoyed swimming, playing tennis, cycling. She decided to start fencing at the age of 85. <laughs> and in fact, she rode her bike until she turned a full century old. That's incredible. Yeah, and she didn't slow down much after that. So she decided to let her artistic talent shine after turning 100. She was 114 when she made an appearance in the movie Vincent and Me, and that made her the oldest actress to appear in a motion <laughs> picture. Then when she was 121, a four-track CD titled Time's Mistress was released. This was a rap album with Calmen speaking <laughs> over it. So she obviously lived this very active and engaging life. But you want to know the real reason I think she made it to 122? Oh, why is that? She stopped smoking when she was 116 <laughs> after 96 years of sucking down cigarettes. That's so strange. And obviously, uh, cigarettes are one of the things that are most consistently linked to an earlier death. So that's that's doubly crazy. Right, it? right. It really is. And, you know, while it's certainly a bizarre case, there's some really fascinating findings in the world of science that are helping us understand why certain people live longer. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get started. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hatikader. And today we're talking about the latest research around longevity. That is, how to live a super long time. 
Now, Mango, in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about cryonics, you know, this effort to freeze our bodies after we die, all in the hopes that science will advance enough in the coming centuries to be able to bring us back to life. And if I remember correctly, you made it pretty clear this was not something you're a fan (laughs) of. You'd rather just try to live longer while you're still alive the first time around, right? And I totally stand by that feeling. So first off, you know, I hate the cold. I so do know that. So there's no way I want to be shoved upside down into a freezer. <laughs> and, and also, I would so much rather just live longer and healthier than uh, than be woken up like 200 years from now. Yeah, well, that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> and so we'll dive into the latest research on the obvious stuff, whether that's exercise and diet and all of those things. And and then some of the surprising. And, and, and we've got a couple great guests on today. That's right. So... One of them is a total superstar to me, and I'm a little surprised that we managed to get her on the program. Any listeners who heard the original trailer for this show will also be familiar with your 90-year-old grandmother, Mama. Mama. I know, and so Mama's going to share some of her tips on how she's managed to reach 90 and be in better shape than either of us. And we'll also be joined by Howard Friedman. He's this professor and psychologist at the University of California, Riverside. Friedman co-authored a book called The Longevity Project a few years back, which, uh, followed an incredible eight-decade study about the various psychological factors that contribute to how long people live. It's this really fascinating book, and I'm excited to hear some of those updates and uh, talk to Howard. So two great guests. Yeah, I can't wait to get both of them on the line. So, um, all right, well, let's talk about longevity. You know, when we were young, if you mentioned someone had lived to be 100, it just seemed incredible, almost impossible. And and it is incredible. I know. So when I was younger, I used to tell people that my great grandma lived to 103 and no one believed me. And I just kind of took it for granted that people live that long. But when I think about it now, I don't even understand how that's possible. <laughs> well, what, what's even more incredible than that is that some researchers predict that half the babies born in wealthy countries after the year 2000 will live to be a 100, half of these people. Yeah, that's unreal. But I did see in our research that life expectancy has been going up by nearly three months every year for nearly 180 years now. And while there's certainly no guarantee that the trend will continue, if it does, that's where your stat really starts to click. Like, I read that if those numbers continue, more than half the babies born since 2000 will hit triple digits. Well, and there have been so many studies done to try to find some big clue or marker that lets us say, okay, that's it. You know, that's why people are living this long. But so far, they really haven't been able to find one. Even for these super centenarians, these are those incredible cases where people live more than 110 years. I know. So I I used to read tips from old people on living longer, and they see things like... uh, you know, too much standing will kill you or too much sitting or eat yogurt, but only the really sour yogurt or don't eat any dairy. I mean, everything's so conflicting. And the clearest thing is that genetics obviously play a role. So scientists haven't been able to figure out that like one magic gene that helps people live to 100 years. But behavioral differences are something researchers know much more about. So we're going to talk about those. But before we get into the big ones like diet and exercise, I'd love to warm up a little and talk about some of the surprising or interesting things that you were mentioning from the research you found yesterday. All right, let's do that. Well, so so which uh, which place do you want to start? Well, what about the fact that work stress isn't nearly as bad as uh, as people think? Okay, well, that that one actually surprised me. So we're, we're not talking about people who are miserable in their jobs, but You know, some stress, a little bit of stress, even consistent stress over doing a good job or just being busy at work, that's not going to kill you, or at least Mm. it's not likely to. So we can ask Dr. Friedman more about this later, but the health benefits of hard work have been found, and not only in younger workers, but even in older people. So again, this was a little surprising to me. 
And a certain level of stress often indicates, you know, a real engagement in their work. And these individuals are usually more connected and happier than those coworkers who are not as engaged in what they're doing. Yeah, which, which makes a certain amount of sense to me, like the pride you're taking and, you know, your commitment to mm-hmm. it. But, but what about parenthood? I mean, people always joke about kids taking years off their life. And it seems like it would make sense if we found out that being a parent made us die a little younger. Right. <laughs> like, it's stressful to be a parent. There are all the years of missed sleep and then the years of worrying about those kids. And then they obviously cost a ton of money. Um, but I think you had some uh, surprising facts for stressed out parents. Yeah, it turns out having kids may actually help you live a little bit longer. <laughs> I was reading about this study out of Sweden, and these researchers looked at over a million people in this study. So these were people born in the early 1900s. And what the study found was that those who had at least one child were actually more likely to live longer. So for women, it was a benefit of about a year and a half And for men, it was almost two years. So I live with two tyrants. And if you'd asked me when I had a toddler in the house two years ago, I would have told you that that just can't be true. I mean, there's no coincidence that all my white hair came in when I had kids. Yeah, I I would have said the same thing. And there's some other interesting elements to the study as well. They found that there was an even stronger link between parenthood and life expectancy for those who weren't married. Yeah, so this is the part where we tell all our single friends like Sean Turner, just go out there and have a kid. That'll solve it all. <laughs> just just, just go have a kid. But this is where our biggest clue comes from. So it suggests that these parents benefit from their adult children caring for them and providing social support in their later years. So you told me that yesterday, but I'm wondering, does it matter if these parents have a boy or a girl? Well, there were some earlier studies that it just had shown that it was, you know, maybe more beneficial to have a girl because adult daughters were more likely to be helpful as their parents got older. But the more recent studies have shown that it's it's pretty much equal to whether you have a boy or a girl, which is kind of relief. So. <laughs> okay, so another one that I I guess isn't that shocking, but is interesting to see confirmed is the benefit of learning a second language and how that can slow your brain from aging. Yeah, this one is actually pretty cool. So, you know, it's not a new idea that knowing a second language might help keep a mind sharp, but it's always been difficult in these previous studies to try to separate out the benefits of knowing a second language with, you know, other contributors to this. So that is until a recent study of hundreds of Scottish people, and this was over a several decades span. So this study tracked over a 1,000 people, and at the beginning of the study, all the participants were around 11 years old, and all of them spoke only one language, and that was English. Now, this was back in the 1940s. So I've, I've got to tell you, like, I love studies like this that span so many decades. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, me too. And so you can fast forward from there to over 60 years later when all of them were in their 70s. And so they managed to track down about 800 of these original participants, and it just so turned out that that a third of them had learned at least one more language. So it really made for this pretty controlled study. Huh. And so what they find? Well, they found that those who picked up a second language scored better than they would have expected when they looked back at their original scores. And those that had not learned a new language performed pretty much in line with what they had expected. Hmm. So, it's, you know, it's pretty strong evidence that the additional language actually helped them. And do you have any sense of why? I mean, you know, they can't be 100% certain as to why, but in thinking about what the brain must do when speaking multiple languages, it has to process words in both languages and then produce the appropriate phrases in the right language. So, I mean, it is some kind of a mental workout. (laughs) All right. So one more before we get to the big stuff. And this one was totally shocking to me. And I think you said, and I'm going to paraphrase here, 
that the elderly need to start taking massive bong hits every morning uh, just to get smarter? <laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly what I said, but there are definitely some interesting studies around the use of THC, which is the <laughs> active ingredient in cannabis. So that's a little different than uh, <laughs> than what you've suggested here. But, you know, over the years, many studies have pointed to the fact that teenagers perform more poorly on memory or attention tests when under the influence. But in some recent studies of mice, when THC is administered in very controlled and very low doses to these elderly mice, they found that these mice were able to perform certain cognitive tasks at similar levels to those of mice that were not given the substance. So this was not the case when they were not given the THC, which is just crazy. And the response was very different in the young mice when they were given the THC. They actually performed much more poorly. Hmm. Which is which is just super interesting to me. So I'm I'm still a little baffled by this idea of old people picking up this daily marijuana habit, even if it's in like low doses. But uh, <laughs> why does it keep you younger? Well, they're focusing on the endocannabinoid system, and this is what helps our bodies deal with stress. So this is a system that begins declining with age, but the THC helps stimulate this system and calm the mice down a little bit. So I'm guessing they're going to be trying this on people next. Yeah, and, and we do need to be clear yet again, this does not mean that doctors are going to start prescribing joints for the same benefit. <laughs> again, it's a very controlled and low dosage to be administered. And so that's what they're testing now, you know, to figure out how much the benefit is and, and at what age it's most beneficial. Okay, well, I honestly feel like this changes everything I know. Like somehow we learned that being stressed at work is great. Being a parent, forcing yourself to learn Portuguese, and possibly, just possibly, picking up a low-dose pot habit in your 70s or 80s, all of that's going to extend your life. That's right. <laughs> but before we get to the biggies, like exercise and diet and the things that'll definitely boost your chances of living longer, why don't we get Mama on the line? All right. You better buckle up. <laughs> How does it feel to be 90? Just like I did when I was young. Yeah? Yeah. Because I can do everything I did when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I love that. I know you've always told us that we had to stay active. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what you do to exercise and how you've stayed active all these years? Well, right now, I work with Mary Beth, the trainer, for three days a week, and then I try to just go right on in and swim, and you know what kind of swimmer I am. I was a certified swim instructor for years, and I'm still helping all these triathlon boys that can't swim too well. They can ride bicycles and, and do all these other, but they're not very good swimmers. So I helped a police investigator and a senior from Sanford just lately. They wanted to swim in Hawaii. I love how many hobbies you have. And, and I, I always oh, used to... Yeah. I always I used to... I started playing golf when I was 14, then I played tennis, and then... Uh, Oh, modeled all my life. I modeled everywhere in Birmingham. So that's a bunch of fun. And uh, and you flew a plane. I decided to want to fly airplanes. Uh -huh. Well, that was a lot of fun. And my husband was in California, and I, he come back, and I said, don't let him get scared of this. Well, he started flying, and he got his license and said, that's the most fun he ever had in his life. And the guy that taught me to fly to helped the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds, so he was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've and it was at Emory Riddle, so he was very good. Well, you've obviously but, stayed really, really active. I, I was also hoping you'd tell us a little bit about, um, you know, about your healthy eating and, and what kinds of things you try to do to stay healthy on that right. side. 
You need, now, like today, to, to a while ago, I fixed some chicken and some uh, fruit, and then I keep boiled eggs in the refrigerator because they're good to go grab one out of the refrigerator, get your boiled egg. And then this is like uh, baked, you know, chicken. I don't eat fried foods, no. And I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and uh Oh, just be real careful what I eat. <laughs> yeah. Now you've always told us though that you got to save a little bit of room every once in a while for for a little treat. Oh yeah, I'm famous for banana puddings. My grandson Will. Now Mango, I got to make you a banana pudding. <laughs> but Will and Bill love those banana puddings. Mango, yeah, I don't know if you uh, knew this, but when uh, you know Michael Jordan played for the Birmingham Barons when he played baseball in minor uh-huh. league for uh, a couple of years and. Mamma would make Michael Jordan banana puddings really? as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but uh, Michael Jordan was just a real sweet guy. Michael hit a home run when my mother was 92. She went to the ball game, and she got to see him hit a home run. So that was good. Well, tell us any uh, any other tips you might have about uh, living a long, healthy life. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you all. I was president two years for the International 99 Lady Pilots. It's one of the biggest organizations in the world. I am still a member of it. And I meet with the ladies uh, for lunch. And uh, so we still see each other. Mm-hmm. And I like to volunteer. And my favorite is the Autism Society. My little great-grandson has autism, and he's doing very well, very well. Well, that's great. Well, Mama, we uh, we we thought we would let you play a little quiz with us if you uh, if you don't mind. All right. All right. So, Mango, we're we're uh, what's our quiz called today? It's called "Did It Happen in Mama's Lifetime?" All right. So, we're going to read you a thing, and you're going to have to tell us. We're going to read you a statement, and you're going to have to tell us whether it happened in your lifetime. Now, if it happened if you, in your lifetime, we want you to say that sounds about right. And if it did not happen in your lifetime, we want you to say, I don't know about that. We kind of use some okay, of your phrases. Okay. You guys, all right. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Okay. All right. The invention of shopping carts. Did it happen in Mama's lifetime? That sounds about right. Is that true? Is she <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, she's right. The shopping cart was invented by the owner of the Humpty Dumpty grocery store in 1937. Okay. So Mama's one for one. Question number two. The invention of the fax machine, did it happen in your lifetime? I don't know about that. Okay. Is she right, Mango? Yeah, she's right. All right. The fax machine was invented way back in 1843 by a Scottish inventor. It was actually called the Electronic Printing Telegraph. Okay, so she's got... I didn't know that. I did not know that. <laughs> All right. Huh, she's... I got to study up. Okay. Yeah, she's two out of two. All right, the next question. She's got two left. Juicy fruit chewing gum, was this invented in your lifetime? I don't know about that, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, so is she right? Yeah, she's right. Juicy fruit was introduced in 1893. And in case you were wondering, the juicy fruits that make up the flavor of juicy fruit are lemon, apple, orange, and banana. Okay. So, Mamaw's gotten all three right so far. So, for the last one, let's see if she can get a perfect score. Chocolate chip cookies, were they invented in your lifetime? If you think so, you'll say, that sounds about right. 
That sounds about right. Yeah, four for four. Everybody, everybody knows how to make chocolate chip cookies. That's right, <laughs> and All they right. have since 1930. So, man, so, so, Mango Mammal got four out of four. So, what she won today? A whole lot of hugs and kisses. All right. I tell you what, I've made a lot of chocolate chip cookies. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Thank you so much for doing this with us today. And I want you boys to be sweet and be good here. All right, we will. <laughs> Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. All right, Mango, now that Mamo has inspired us to live healthier. <laughs> and way more enthusiastically. That too, but let, let's talk about the obvious reasons that we all know can influence how long we live and what the latest science has to say. All right, so do you want to start with diet? Sure. Well, I hate to tell you this, but it doesn't appear that the ramen restaurant downstairs is the key to our living longer. <laughs> Man, but it's so good. <laughs> Honestly, if you guys are ever in Pond City Market, you'll see us at that ramen bar way too way much. Too much. <laughs> but I know you've done some reading on the latest diet research, and, and what did you find? So, you know all the studies that have looked at significant calorie restriction and its relationship to a long, healthy life? Yeah, it's it's been a little while since I've seen some of these, but it you know I feel like I've only seen ones that are about mice or worms or mm -hmm. some other small creature, so be honest, I really wasn't sure how close we were to saying that this would apply to humans. Well, lucky for you, we're one step closer because now we're talking primates. All right. L <laughs> lucky for me. I don't want to restrict my calories. I saw a really interesting story in your favorite magazine, New Scientist, about how a long-running trial in a group of monkeys or macaques specifically found that calorie restriction led to a longer life. Actually, it was about three years. 
And while that doesn't seem that long, it's the equivalent of about nine human years. That is pretty significant. I mean, I guess we can't assume that would necessarily be nine years in humans. Yeah, though. but I mean, I'd also just take three extra years. Right, right. <laughs> but some researchers are hopeful that as we better understand what calorie restriction is doing, we might be able to come up with better anti-aging medicines. And the other thing they found? In some trials, calorie restriction resulted in lower rates of cancer and heart disease. Yeah, both both good things, obviously. And, you know, as you're saying this, I, I decided to Google calorie restriction <laughs> in humans. And I see there's something called the Calorie Restriction Society. So obviously there are people already subscribing to this and thinking about it pretty seriously. Yeah, the New Scientist reporter Claire Wilson talks about this group in her story. They're basically on a permanent diet of around 1,500 to, I don't know, about 1,800 calories per day as compared to the usual recommendation of 2,000 to 2,500. In fact, there's kind of a funny quote at the end of Claire's story. So she says, quote, Until someone's used to it, the diet involves planning every meal with precision, and side effects can include feeling cold and reduced libido. End story. That's the last line in <laughs> yeah. the story. I kind of wonder how many people read the whole story, got all the way to that final quote, and they were like, okay, I'm out. I can't do this. But it is interesting, and it, and it does seem like science is starting to point us in the direction of calorie restriction being beneficial to humans. So it will be interesting to watch where this goes. Yeah, so th th there was this interesting thing that A.J. Jacobs, our friend, wrote a while back where he was talking about visiting some folks from the Calorie Restriction Society. And they basically meditate on each piece of food. They, they like slowly meditate on it to savor it. Oh. And they show them how to eat a single blueberry. And first they smell it. Then they think about how delicious it's going to taste from the scent of it and how it's going to feel in their mouth. And, and then they put it in their mouth, but tell them not to bite until he's ready. It's like tantric eating. It sounds like a Portlandia <laughs> sketch. Yeah, and all he wants to do is bite. But they tell him to consider the blueberry's skin and the texture and the tannins and to savor every little segment of the fruit as it bursts full of flavor in his mouth. And then he's supposed to chew it way more than you're supposed to chew something like 40 times a side or something. And they literally spend like 15 minutes on a blueberry. That just seems like way too much work. I know. I'd, I'd wolf down two cartons of blueberries in that time. But supposedly when you slow yourself down in eating, your head catches up and realizes you're fuller than you think. All right. So there are obviously lots of other food-related studies, you know, showing what we should and shouldn't eat. And, and so what else did you find in your research? Well, beyond the usual, it, it's healthy to eat fruits and vegetables uh, mantra, which apparently I'm happy to report is still healthy to do. All right. That's uh, good. It is interesting to see the studies on populations around the world that live the longest. So in most of those, you'll find people getting more than 90 percent of their food from plants. So you think about fruits or veggies, whole grains and beans, and, and of course, you know, leafy greens, which are obviously important, maybe the most important. So multiple studies have shown that eating a cup of cooked greens every single day significantly reduced the likelihood that someone in middle age would die in the next four years. I don't know, but daily leafy greens, <laughs> that seems a little excessive, though. So where do, uh, where do biscuits fit into this? Uh, all right, uh, give me the rundown on the rest. I know. I, I've been waiting for that all-biscuit diet to come out. So, uh, But until it does, here's what we do now. So in one study, which followed nearly 100,000 Americans since 2002, the ones who lived the longest were those who followed a plant-based diet and had a small portion of fish a handful of times per week. And then the next thing is eggs. While they're good for us, we might be overdoing it on the number of eggs we eat at a time. So we should probably be aiming for more like three a week. Three a week? Yeah. That's like a meal. <laughs> so we should all eat half a cup of cooked beans each day and a couple handfuls of nuts per day. 
And of course, uh, we eat way too much sugar. I feel like I could do most of those. The mm-hmm. challenge, I think, for me would be with nuts when they say they're healthy to eat. <laughs> like, I eat them by the handful, so I think it'd be tough to pull that off. All right, so what's the latest on drinking? I'm uh, I'm still going to stand by the 2010 study from the Journal of the American College of Cardiology, which just sounds so official. Oh, it's very official, yeah, whatever <laughs> yeah. they say. <laughs> so that study showed the benefits of light daily drinking, which means one drink for women and two for men, with red wine being the winner. All right, so we've got nuts, beans, greens, and red wine, but not too much. Got it. All right, I'm <laughs> going to be healthier from here on out. So let, let's talk about exercise now. And again, we know that exercise is important. That's nothing new. But let's look at what the latest research shows, and, and particularly the latest on what seems to slow down our body's decline. Well, you were telling me earlier this week about the studies on HIT. That's uh, high-intensity interval training. That's right. Yeah, there's definitely been some really interesting research on this. So, so high-intensity interval training is when you exercise with these short bursts of intense activity, as the name suggests. And then you add in these recovery periods where you have, you know, more, more low-intensity movement. So you mean like uh, this and uh, and then like this. Oh, you got it. I like how you knocked down that miniature <laughs> Snickers bar off the table when you did that. And you kind of killed two birds with one stone there. Good job. All right. But one study led uh, led by Sri Kumara and Nair at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota had two age ranges that they were looking at. So he was looking at 18 to 30-year-olds and then again at 65 to 80-year-olds. And with each of these ranges, they had them do three months of exercise. So... Some only did interval training, some did weight training, and some did a combination of both. So I, I think we already gave away the punchline on this, but uh, what they find? We did, but it, it is still really interesting to see what they found. So they found that the interval training had the greatest impact on the mitochondria and cells and their ability to generate energy. And, and we're not talking about a small amount. We're talking nearly 70% in the older group and just shy of 50% in the younger group. I mean, that's pretty significant. Yeah, it is. And it's extra significant because... Mitochondrial activity is something we see declining as we get older, which has an effect on our muscles. Yeah, and and that decline was not only stopped for the older group, but in some it was actually reversed. Here's what Nair said about it. He said, after three months of interval training, everything converged towards what we saw in young people. So in addition to those benefits, the interval trainers also saw benefits in their lungs, their hearts, their overall circulation. So weight training's beneficial in building muscle mass, but... That's a different benefit from what we're talking about with our mitochondria, right? Yeah, and I'm glad you clarified that. And I'm also glad that we're talking about exercise in general. You know, a few episodes back, we were talking about the fact that exercise doesn't have that much of an impact on our attempt to lose weight. And I know we were both a little bit nervous that some might take that to mean that there was no reason to exercise. Mm -hmm. And obviously, that's not true. I mean, there's a ton of benefit to exercising. It's incredibly important in helping us live longer and healthier. And, you know, there's so many studies, including this one, that back that up. There have been multiple studies that shown regular high-intensity interval training could add years to a person's life. So just to be clear for our listeners, exercise is good, smoking not so much. Right. Yeah, we should have saved those gems for the fact off mango. <laughs> well, uh, we've covered the biggies, so we should also talk about the latest anti-aging treatments and what their futures look like. But before we do that, let's talk about longevity and the longevity project with our next guest. Well, he's no mammal, but all right, let's get him on. (laughs) Our guest today is a distinguished professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of California, Riverside. And we're talking to him today about his book, The Longevity Project. Howard Friedman, welcome to Part-Time Genius. Thanks. It's always great to talk about promoting health and long life. 
Well, terrific. Well, it's great to have you on. You know, and it's really interesting to uh, to read about this more than two decade long journey that you and your co-author Leslie Barton took as you were looking at all of this interesting data. And it, it's not often that you have access to data spanning over 80 years following the, you know, the health and wellness of over a thousand different children and their their lifespan. But for our listeners who aren't familiar with the Longevity Project and the study that you guys had been looking at over this period of time, could you give just a brief overview of what this project was all about? Sure. We always want to understand uh, what makes people happy and healthy and live long over the long term, but it's hard to do that. You have to follow a bunch of people for their whole lives, and obviously we would be long gone before we could ever complete a study like that. So um, we were able to access some archival data from a study that was started back in 1921, a study of California children who were about 10 years old at the time, and they were recruited by Professor Lewis Terman. And they were followed every five to ten years uh, ever since, and we picked up the study. Now it's about 25 years ago, and we met some of the people and followed some of the people, and um, we also um, gathered the death certificates on those who had passed away. And so we know throughout their whole lives what activities people engaged in, everything about them, and um, who lived long and who, who, who died young, who wow. stayed happy and who thrived. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And so looking at all these factors that contributed to either a long life or perhaps, um, you know, dying at certain ages, what what would you say in, in doing these studies were some of the bigger surprises coming out of the research? Well, one of the most interesting things was that um, people who were very responsible and conscientious, um, they actually thrive throughout their lives and, and they led happy lives. So we often think, well, wh- why, why not just live it up? Um, but in fact, um, the people who actually got involved with things, had good marriages, had good education, had good work. Um, Kind of the people you would say are the responsible people in the world. They actually became happier and happier as as life went on, and they also stayed healthy and lived a long time. So the book was published a few years ago, and I was curious to hear if there have been any any new developments since you guys published. Yes, we're still following the people. Um, There's only a few still alive. one, I went to his 104th birthday, which was great, uh, and he kind of lived a lot of the kinds of things we talked about in the Longevity Project. He had a good marriage, important for men. He was very conscientious. He stayed, stayed working. And more and more research is finding that people who stay involved, um, keep working, take on new challenges to remain fresh and in the moment, those are a key part of um, long-term healthy patterns. So um, it's these patterns that come first, and they lead to both health and happiness, um, so, so that we're finding that the, the determined participants, the, the people we were studying, they didn't really, who were very happy, um, they didn't live in a land of kind of what we call, my call, you know, self-esteem clinics and indulgent parents. And um, it was the people who were out there doing things, making the most out of their life. So I, I'm talking more these days, we're finding support for an idea which we sometimes call healthy neuroticism. So people <laughs> who are worrying, you always hear, don't worry, take it easy, don't mm-hmm. stress. But that turns out to be bad advice. I mean, if, if you're chronically stressed for years and years and you can't sleep, that's bad. But for most people, if you take on um, challenges, that's good. And, in fact, the participants regretted when they look back in their lives the things they didn't do, not the things that they, they did do. So people who get involved um, and, and try things, that's, that's a kind of healthy curiosity, a healthy stress that um, we're finding more and more can be important. So rather than kind of fretting themselves to death, 
these people were were concerned enough to to keep themselves alive. In fact, uh, like I said, my co-author of the Longevity Project, um, Dr. Leslie Martin, uh, she she lives her life very much like that. She was just in Uganda, tracking the gorillas, and she's always off somewhere. She ran across the Sahara <laughs> Desert. Uh, so, um, but you know, she's very healthy and happy, and that that's typically what we found, and it kind of inspired both of us to to do more of that, to to stay active, stay involved. And so, some of those new findings are being confirmed by both ourselves yeah. and by others as well. Huh. Yeah, that, 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 that's what I was curious, too, about was how, how have you changed your life since doing this project and understanding the learnings? Well, one of the other things is, um, you know, stay, stay active. So you don't have to be going to the gym every day for hours and hours, but um, just getting up and out of your chair is, is very important. And so um, we do a lot more of that. Um, you know, I just if there's something to get up and do, I just get up and do it. And if I have to go down the stairs to get something, I don't call down to somebody. I, you know, I go down the stairs. But the other thing that's very important that people can do is be um, socially involved with other healthy people. So, you know, you know who your friends are who are basically good influences, who are doing healthy things, uh, doing productive things, doing worthwhile things. And, um, you know, I, I rarely turn down invitations to associate with those people. So that's <laughs> what's the one thing you could do to, to live a happy and thriving and, and long life. It would probably be to look around and, so, and see who your, who your healthy and thriving friends are and, and try to associate more with those. So that's that's a kind of conscious change you can make. You know, am, am I too busy or should I do this? And <laughs> I'm much more likely these days to say, I'm going to go do that. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, well, good for you. Well, it's been so fascinating reading about this project and uh, chatting with you about this. So, Dr. Friedman, thanks so much for joining us on Part-Time Genius. of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com.
Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. Now, we've talked about diet and exercise, but let's talk about the fortunes being invested in the development of anti-aging treatments. Yeah, now that we've managed to extend the human lifespan significantly, researchers are focused on how to improve that quality of longer life. And there are several really interesting possibilities being explored. So I want to talk about another New Scientist article we were looking at, and this one's by Jessica Hamzalu. Yeah, that's a good call. So, all right, well, one of the first treatments she talks about is that of the, the young blood plasma theory. And she writes about this. She says, the idea is that there's something in the blood of people under 25 that keeps them youthful, although we don't yet know what it is. Yeah, they kind of made fun of uh, the tech billionaire obsession with this on Silicon Valley and tech billionaires having these blood boys on hand. But in the studies they've done on older mice who are injected with plasma from younger mice, the results were strangely promising. Yeah. Like they even tested the injection of plasma from human teens into these older mice. And in both cases, the older mice end up more active and show fewer signs of aging. Well, and that Silicon Valley show wasn't wrong about this. I mean, while we're still lacking rigorous clinical trials for what this will do for humans, it hasn't stopped businesses from developing around these plasma <laughs> transfusions. There's even a company in California called Ambrosia. And that you can go there and you can get this young blood plasma transfusion, you know, if you've, if you've just got $8,000 to spend <laughs> on this. I mean, if you knew this would work, I could actually see paying for that, you know, but I, I, I think I may hold off just a little bit. But still, according to the company's founder, Jesse Carmazin, the people who've been treated are already reporting benefits in cognition, muscle strength, and energy level. But again, I mean, that's an evangelist speaking. Mm -hmm. So we, we need real clinical trials to be conducted before the verdict's out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. So uh, the next treatment Hamzalu covers is related to our telomeres. Well, I think we should pause for a minute and remind our listeners what telomeres are. <laughs> and, and by our listeners, I mean, can, can you remind me? <laughs> so uh, telomeres are our DNA protectors. They're the caps at the end of chromosomes. And, and there's a strong correlation between the length of telomeres and aging. So, you know, like every, every time a cell divides, these caps shrink and this process takes place until they're simply too small to provide meaningful protection. And after that, the cells either die or they're significantly damaged and the cells around them can become damaged, too. In fact, even before we start aging, those born with shorter telomeres are, are way more likely to develop age-related diseases at younger ages. Nicely done. Good description <laughs> there, Mango. All right, so we're starting to see more research on them. And, and from people like Maria Blasco, she's at the Spanish National Cancer Research Center in Madrid. And her team's been working on ways to extend telomeres in mice. And, and they're doing this through gene therapy. And they've been pretty successful at what they're doing. With some of these mice, they've been able to extend their lives by as much as 40%. That's crazy. So it's definitely fascinating, though there's still a ton of work to be done. And it's not something that's really ready to be practiced on people yet. Though, again, that, that that has not stopped a few companies from introducing gene therapy treatments <laughs> to, you know, targeting these telomeres. Yeah, it definitely hasn't. Some of them are self-reporting successful growth of telomeres and that patients feel like 20 years younger. But again, that's self-reporting and something I'd hold off on trusting. Yeah, me too. Me too. Now, we, we should also talk about the services that are being marketed uh, that are less about anti-aging treatments and really more about better understanding our genome or our microbiome through scans and blood tests and all these other evaluations. Mm -hmm. So I guess the idea here is that if we know a bit more about the underlying health issues we might be developing or what we're at risk of, then, you know, we can begin working on an early treatment or preventative efforts. But there was a quote from one of the company's founders that I have to admit I found pretty amusing. <laughs> oh, yeah, what's that? So Craig Venter, the founder of a company called Human Longevity, Inc., 
He got the results from his company's $25,000 package. Pocket change. That's right. (laughs) It provided a genome sequencing and all this other information that we talked about before. And after seeing his results, he said, quote, I've lost 43 pounds since finding out things about my metabolic condition. I mean, honestly, I'm not sure someone needs to spend $25,000 to know that if they had 43 pounds to lose, they might want to go ahead and do that. That said, I know we're not mean-spirited here. I'm I'm speaking with almost no knowledge of his company, so I'm not saying that it's not a valuable service. I I just kind of found that quote funny. (laughs) So so in the end, it sounds like uh, many of these treatments may be promising, but most of them aren't quite ready for the masses. Right. And even Hamzalu writes about this. Until that time, your best options are boring old diet and exercise. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But you know one thing that's not boring, Mango? The part-time genius fact. That's right. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to go first. Babies born in autumn are more likely to hit 100 than those born in other seasons. Huh. All right, so let's talk about TV watching. TV watching definitely appears to take a serious toll on our health. There was a 2010 study that looked at people watching more than four hours of TV per day, and it found they were 46% more likely to die from any cause than those who watch less than two hours. Although while I'm reading this, I'm wondering about the words any cause. I mean, it seems like people who watch TV all the time are less likely to die from, say, like rock climbing or something. (laughs) Or elephant trampling. Right, whatever it may be. But still, don't watch so much TV if you want to live longer. So one of the other benefits of aging, and this is pretty interesting to me, is is fewer migraines. Like one study showed that only 10% of women and 5% of men over 70 report having migraines. Or rather, if they were having the migraines, they weren't uh, they weren't accompanied by headaches. Oh, that's pretty good. That's mm-hmm. all right. All right. Well, I was just looking at the list of the world's oldest people again here. I can't stop looking at this list. <laughs> and the super centenarians, which for obvious reasons, this list has to be updated somewhat regularly. But as of this morning, five of the 10 oldest people in the world are in Japan. Actually, looking here at the top 15, seven of the top 15 are in Japan. I, mm. I do kind of wonder if they're counting years differently there, though. <laughs> Um, so here's one for the ladies, and specifically ladies over 80. So studies looking at sexual satisfaction by age have shown that while the elderly may not have sex as often as younger people, multiple studies have shown that satisfaction increases with age. In fact, the women over 80 in one study reported being much more satisfied during sex than those were in the late 55 to 79 range. You know what, Mango? I don't think I can top an octogenarian sex fact, so uh, I'm going to give you the PTG Fact Off trophy this week. That's it for Part-Time Genius. Thanks so much for listening. You kids are to stick around with me. You'd have a bunch of fun. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Kristen McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. <laughs> Gary Rowland does the exec producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eve Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Do we, do we forget Jason? Jason who?
Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.